Texas. From the first step to the final phase, industrial and commercial electrical done right. This is Casey Hendrickson on News Talk 95.3 Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. That is the sound. Woo. Somebody is deaf again over here. That is the sound of thousands of Cubans finally having enough. That's what that is. After all this time, the Cubans finally had a bit of a rise up over the weekend. And, you know, we've been waiting for this, particularly in the United States, well, since Castro. Like, day one of Castro. And right now there's a bunch of teenagers and people in their early 20s running around with the Che Guevara shirts. Not quite sure what to think about that. Of course, it's always fun when you confront them and ask them why they hate black people and gays. And they look at you very confused. Like, Well, you're wearing a, a Che Guevara shirt. You know he killed gay people and really hated black people, right? You know that, right? And they never really know what to say about that because most of them who are wearing it aren't that way. They don't hate gay people. They don't hate black people. They just think that Che Guevara is this cool revolutionary and yes, down with capitalism and all that stuff. Down with capitalism by wearing a monetized monetized piece of apparel with a tyrant's mugshot on it. That's a heck of a way to fight capitalism, ladies and gentlemen. A guy who, who hated capitalism, you're buying his shirts, his overly priced shirts that he had nothing to do with. His image was co-opted. But that's that's how you fight capitalism in the, the modern era. So the Cubans said, hey, enough's enough. There's a couple of different reasons for this. All right. Some people have said that it's been the, the COVID situation with the health care. Because uh, in, in spite of what Michael Moore and Bernie Sanders would have you believe, uh, health care in Cuba is really bad. It's not good. And some people are saying it's because of COVID. But a lot of the... Ch- a lot of the chance. Now, I kind of told you to be on the lookout for this. You remember when they opened Cuba up for tourism? Remember that under Obama? And when we took the audience to Ireland, right? We had this trip in Ireland. Um, our representative was going to be on one of the first trips to Cuba. And we did a whole call-in thing on, on, you know, would you go to Cuba? And I told you that I would. You know, one of the things I would like to do is see Cuba before, you know, we remake Cuba in our image, throwing, you know, fast food joints and things like that there. So I would like to see Cuba as it is, out of pure curiosity. And I just want to see it in its in its current communist state. That was my position on it. Many of you disagreed with that. You took the Marco Rubio approach and don't give them any money. But as time went on, what we ended up finding out is that the tourist sections that were open to tourism, to Americans and the West, that's where all of the food went. So the people who are already... I think the best part about talking about Cuba is I always get two things out of Cuba. Of course, we're talking about Puerto Rico, too, in in, in the commercial breaks on rumble.com slash Casey the host. Um, Just because, you know, these, these areas are relevant, obviously. And the suggestion came up that, hey, you know, in the future, you think it's possible that Cuba could become a state, you know, that sort of thing. Um, And, you know, I don't think so. 
And, you know, who knows, maybe after they get rid of dictatorship and they try to run things themselves for a while and it doesn't work out, maybe at that point they would reach out. But I don't think so. I think the Cubans are probably, uh, I think they're probably ready to do it on their own. Um, but, you know, I we'll see, obviously. But, you know, then it brings up Puerto Rico and the statehood issue in Puerto Rico and all of that stuff. So there's always a couple of things that always happen when we talk about islands like that. One, we bring up cigars, which I automatically love because I love cigars. Uh, the next thing is somebody inevitably brings up <laughs> Guam tipping over. And <laughs> and it just puts a smile on my face. It doesn't matter how bad of a mood I am. The fact that we had a congressman ask an admiral if Guam could tip over because of the number of sailors on it uh, is one of the funniest things ever. See, okay. <clears throat> I was thinking the other day how how annoyed would I be this is a direct reference to your face, Josh. How annoyed would I be if, let's just say, my wife and I divorced? And you got to you got to do the dating thing, right? Which is already annoying because that requires me leaving the house, and I hate leaving the house. So you got the dating thing, and then all of the stuff that you have already explained to somebody, i.e., my wife, I would now have to explain to multiple people over and over and over. And over, and Josh is like that, because my producers, they get cycled through this thing, and I bring something up, and they look at me, and they go, what in the world are you talking about? So, before today, do not let me forget, we will play the soundbite of the congressman, Hank Johnson. He's from Georgia. Still in office, because they keep reelecting him. Like, eight or nine years ago, asking an admiral in a congressional hearing about Guam tipping over true story so he's not heard that so we have it's fun it's fun but you always you forget like what you've already told people you know so it's one of those things all right so we have a major update here and i wanted to go ahead and make sure that i got this out here um it's not gonna take a lot of time but huge update this is from the department of justice okay uh they have now issued a correction they did not seize a fully put together replica of the Capitol, the Lego version, from the January 6th rider that they have arrested and are presumably, eventually, when they get to it, going to charge with most of the crimes. Now, remember, the re the release here, was it last week? Beginning of last week was that the FBI had come out and basically said, hey, look, here's the evidence we have against this guy. He had a fully assembled Capitol replica Lego set in his house. So he's got blueprints for the Capitol. He knew exactly what he was doing with Legos. Isn't that like a $125 set? And all of the pieces are white. Like, it's it's not an easy thing to do. You got to give him kudos for that. That should have been the, the FBI agents high-fiving him for seriously, you know, you know doing that. Because he could have just, you know, went online and looked at the, the blueprints or the building or anything else. So... The Department of Justice has now issued a correction on that. He did not have a fully assembled Lego Capitol building set on his table in his home. He did not. It was still in the box unassembled. This is this is true. I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to be funny. Okay, I'm really not. This is a real legitimate press release from this from this morning. The Department of Justice has retracted its claim that it seized a fully constructed U.S. Capitol Lego set from an accused Capitol rioter in a memorandum asking a court to order Robert Morse 
to be held pending trial, prosecutors claimed that law enforcement officials recovered a fully constructed U.S. Capitol Lego set while arresting the defendant. But in a supplemental motion, authorities said that they erred in conveying that claim. Please note that after a review of the photographs from the search, there appears to have been a miscommunication and that the statement appears to be inaccurate. The Lego set was in a box and not fully constructed at the time of the search, as pictured below. And and they attached a a picture of the unassembled Capitol Lego set. <laughs> I think the best part about this article, a lawyer representing Morse did not immediately respond to request for comment. That's your Department of Justice, ladies and gentlemen. Just making sure you know what evidence they have against the guy. We got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. All right, Josh. Just for you and for the comic relief, because this is Monday. Okay? We'll get to Milton Monday in a little bit, by the way. This is Representative Hank Johnson. He's a Democrat from Georgia. This is 11 years ago. 11 years ago, he did this. He has been reelected every election since, which tells you that there is a major, major problem with this country. Okay? And that's why we need term limits. This is Hank Johnson, Representative, Democrat of Georgia. They, he is talking to a naval admiral about the island of Guam. There was a debate at the time about increasing the number of sailors who would be stationed on Guam, which is a U.S. territory. This is Hank Johnson talking to the Admiral. This is an uh, island that at its widest level is, what, 12 miles from shore to shore, and at its smallest level, uh, or smallest uh, uh, location, it's uh, seven miles uh, between one shore and the other. Is that correct? I don't have the exact uh, dimensions, but uh, to your point, sir, I think Guam is a small island. Very relatively. small island and about 24 miles, if I recall, long. So 20, 24 miles long, about 7 miles wide at the least widest uh, place on the island, and about 20, about 12 miles wide uh, uh, on the widest part of the island. And um, I don't know how many square miles that, that is. Do you happen to know? I don't have that. Uh, figure with me, sir. I can certainly supply it to you if you'd like. Yeah, my, my fear is that uh, the whole island will uh, become so overly populated that it will tip over and, uh, and capsize. Uh, we don't anticipate that. The, uh... I'm sorry, but Admiral Willard's response is still one of the best responses ever. This is 11 years ago. This man has been reelected by his district every two years since then. You have reelected a man who thought an island can capsize. But the Admiral going, uh, we, we, don't, we don't anticipate that happening. <laughs> it's still one of the funniest sound bites ever in the history of sound bites. It's, so you've never heard that. You have never heard that. 
He is still in Congress. In the state of Georgia, he is still in Congress. Josh had never heard that before. I, when I said it, he looked at me and said, what? <laughs> oh, my God. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, that's good stuff right there. <clears throat> All right. <sighs> that's good. That was good. That made me. That made my day. I appreciate that. It did. It just. It made my day. Um, all right. So a little bit later on today, we are going to get into what is going on with the RNC and Trump's attorneys, and this all directly ties into some other stuff. So people are asking about it on the live stream. That is that is coming up here in a little bit in the four o'clock hour. So uh, just be aware of that. Uh, if you didn't watch UFC 264 over the weekend, it was a really good card, and it looked like the main event was going to be an absolute barn burner. Both guys look fantastic, Poirier and McGregor. Uh, and then, unfortunately, at the end of the round, McGregor snapped his ankle in half on national TV. Uh, I saw it, and I was none of the commentators saw it. And I, I, I watched it happen. I'm like, uh-oh, he's, he's really hurt. Poirier didn't even notice it either. Poirier thought that he had hurt McGregor. He didn't. Um, and it was an ugly, gruesome injury. Most people don't come back from snapping their ankle in half like that in, in MMA or any other sport, especially when you're the age of McGregor. Um, so it could potentially be a career-ender for him. I, you know, if, if he's okay with that, then great. If he's not okay with that, I hope he can come back. Um, but the rest of the card was amazing. But there was another thing that happened at UFC 264 that a lot of people missed, and that was President Trump coming in. He attended the event, and President Trump got loud standing ovations, and he also got chants of USA. And there's a couple of boo birds out there, not that many, though. Uh, and the UFC, you know, there's a lot of fighters that are conservative, are pro-Trump, and they've made it very known, you know, throughout the past four to five years. And so a lot of the, the fight fans are in the same category. Uh, so if you missed it, because I know that the uh, the news didn't really show that. They showed all of the other celebrity entrances. I was watching some of the uh, the montages of it. Like, oh, there's this celebrity coming in. There's this celebrity coming in. They didn't show Trump coming in and getting standing ovations or, or loud applause and chants of, of USA. Uh, but that did happen. So, again, just, you know, a little bit side note, just kind of like an extra little piece on there that, that you should know about. But um, we're going to talk a little bit about this, this situation here with um, Trump censorship what he claimed at the CSPAC the CPAC speech excuse me and what's happening with the the RNC chairwoman and of course Jenna Ellis Trump's former attorney because there's some really interesting stuff going on that's going to be in the four o'clock hour though we're getting to that because that's all tied together I know several stories but it's all tied together with what happened over the weekend coming up next I want to give you some good news though okay I want to give you some positive stuff I've been keeping you updated on various research on cancer there's a, been a major breakthrough for cancer research over the weekend. I want to, well, it was released over the weekend. I want to talk about that coming up next. Just kind of shift it up a little bit, and then we're going to go ahead and make you angry again, okay, in the 4 o'clock hour. But in the meantime, this is big news. Uh, if you have cancer or you're worried about cancer, if it runs in your family, uh, this is big news. We've had a couple of really big, big updates in cancer research and treatments over the past two years, and this is a major step forward in that. So we'll talk about that next on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. All right, over the past couple of years, we've been able to give you some very positive updates on cancer and cancer research. And I know that, um, you know, cancer is is obviously a big deal. Various forms of cancer are more deadly than others, obviously. You all know that. But, you know, it used to be that when you got a cancer diagnosis, like, that was it, right? 
it almost didn't matter what kind of cancer it was. It was that was just essentially it. A lot of people just assumed it was an automatic death sentence. Uh, luckily, with the advancements in cancer treatment that we have had, and it, that's not the case anymore. Um, there are obviously some. Uh, usually, uh, the problem is when it comes back after you've already beaten it the first time. Uh, but luckily, there is some some new treatments that are coming out. We've told you some that. Uh, it was last year, I believe, it was in the middle of the pandemic, where we, we told you about some cancer research that they think that they can get rid of chemotherapy. Like, they think that can go away. And if you've ever known anybody who's gone through cancer treatment, chemo is like the worst thing in the world. It is absolutely horrible. So this is the, uh, the Epic Times. Breakthroughs in cancer research and therapeutics in recent years have led to dramatically better outcomes. We know so much more about cancer, uh, what causes it, how to treat it, and most importantly, how to prevent it than we've ever known before. Now, recently... Uh, last year, we told you one of the latest breakthroughs is that they might actually have a form of vaccine for it. And it, it's it's not the right term, but there's a way for you to get kind of like a shot where it, it will kill it will kill the cancer, prevent cancer from coming back. Um, and it, this is specific for certain cancers, but they think they can apply to, to all cancers. So it's really tremendous research. It's still in its early stages, but... You know, if it ends up being even somewhat as good as what they're they're touting it as, that'll be a major, major breakthrough. Uh, the amount of progress that we made in the past few decades is almost beyond imagination, creating serious momentum and finding ways to defeat cancer, and that few would have expected 30 years ago. In fact, for the second year in a row, American death rates from cancer are starting to decline. It's important that people recognize and learn about all these new developments for treating cancer, which is why Dr. Patrick Hugh. Um, went on the Epic Times podcast, and the podcast is called Newt's World, uh, and he was talking about some of this stuff. And he explained that a number of years ago, just about all of his melanoma patients would pass away in 6 to 12 months. Now, over half of them are living long, very valuable lives. So that's a, that's a huge difference. And when you think about the medical advancements, like when I was in the military, okay, so I, I, I joined the military in 1998. Back then, the biggest concern was losing your leg or losing your arm. And we're talking back then where a lot of the, you know, the people that I served with, you lost a limb, it was suicide. That was it. You were, you were done. You couldn't do anything with your life. You were, just, you're, you were useless if you lost a limb. That was just 1998. Now, I, I, honestly, I don't need my left arm. You can take it. Just put a robot arm on there. I'll be good. But look how fast that has happened in such a short period of time. Cancer research, kind of the equivalent. Uh, two factors are largely responsible for the sea change in cancer treatment. First, doctors have figured out the molecular nature of the disease so they can give the right medications to cut off its circuitry. Second, doctors have learned how to stimulate the body's immune system to allow their immune cells to kill the cancer. And that is also getting better again with that. Again, vaccine's not the right word. So two major therapies being developed now are targeted therapy which involves looking at the molecular problems with the cancer and giving specific drugs to treat it, and immunotherapy, which involves design therapies to stimulate the body's immune system to kill the cancer. So um, we are, we've got all of these, these new things here, and, and they didn't get into like the specifics of, of all of them. One of them we've already told you about, but they're moving towards a more personal approach, is what the doctor says, and getting rid of chemotherapy. So we're at a point now where we're not nuking the body to kill everything, including your immune system. We're actually boosting the immune system to kill the cancers. And they believe that this is pretty darn quick to come out 
And he cited in this podcast a couple of examples of two recent lung cancer patients who received um, this treatment and had dramatic and extremely fast recovery. So if you are if you're somebody who is dealing with cancer or if cancer runs in your family, keep your ear to the ground on these cancer treatments because these things are really advancing. And they're at a point where they are hoping, obviously this is a grandiose claim, but they are hoping that they can get to a point where cancer will not even be a major illness anymore because if it shows up, you get a shot, it goes away. That's kind of the idea behind some of the advancements that they're dealing with right now with these two new treatments. We got more coming up, 95.3 MNC.